0: So what do you believe about the Holy Spirit? Okay, that's the question. What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? You can see what many people think about the Holy Spirit. If you believe something that's a misconception about the Holy Spirit, or if you believe that, you know, you're not really sure actually who the Holy Spirit is, or if, you know, you do not have the Holy Spirit in your life, then you will never ever be captivated by him. You'll never be captivated by it because you don't know who he is, okay? And our weekend theme, Captivated, Led by the Spirit, we are coming to the point where you know many of us are captivated by many things. We're captivated by many things, okay? But we have to let that certain someone named the Holy Spirit captivate us, and then we become captivated with him, okay? The very core of our existence. So that what happens is we begin to think, we begin to act, we begin to move just like he does. Okay? That's who he is. Okay? And then we are being led by the Spirit of God, which is what our verse is. Okay? Right? When you think, act, and move by the Holy Spirit, then you're being led by the Holy Spirit. This isn't something magical. This isn't something mysterious. That's what happens. And that's what we're going to find out this weekend. We allow him to take over our very thoughts. Okay? John fourteen twenty six says this, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus is talking, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So if we allow the Holy Spirit to show us what to do in any given circumstance as we're going through our walk of life, He, the Holy Spirit, promises to take the things of God and clarify them for us. Who doesn't want that? the things of God, and then clarify them to us as we are walking, okay? And so what happens is, is that the secret of our public life then is really our private life, isn't it? The secret of how we live our public life is really our private life. And so I'm going to ask you a question. What captivates you? Or who captivates you? You know, maybe the brewers captivate you right now, right? They, Brian texted me and said, you know, they're even again. Okay, maybe that captivates you. Maybe there is a fragrance that, you know, they talk about that cat is captivating. Or maybe that certain someone wears a certain cologne that captivates you, right? Okay, or maybe it's, it's something like many people are captivated by Lady Gaga or something like that. Something or someone captivates you. So who captivates you? What captivates you? And you know, the definition of captivate is this, to be influenced or dominated by some special trait with an appeal. To be influenced or to be dominated. Okay, to be influenced or to be dominated by some special trait with an appeal. So the first step we need to know if we're gonna live a captivated life, okay, led by the Spirit, is to recognize the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize him, okay? And so I want you to understand that you can never underestimate what the Holy Spirit is doing, okay? The Holy Spirit is always active and he's always doing something before you even arrive on the scene. Like all of you coming here tonight, he's already been active. In all of us, he's already been active here before you even arrive on the scene. So it's really hard to follow someone if you don't know their identity, isn't it? Many a time I'll go and speak somewhere and, and I'll come off the plane and a person is told to pick up Margot Fiesler. They have no idea what I look like unless they've gone to the website and then they can recognize me. If they haven't, then they put a little sign up and say, Margot Fiesler, come here. Okay, and so then I need to go to them because they can't recognize me because they don't know me. Okay, that's the same challenge that we have with the Holy Spirit. Once again, you cannot be captivated by him, led by him, if you do not recognize him. We're going to learn how to recognize the Holy Spirit in our lives. Many a time when I'm driving, what happens to, you know, I'll stop and ask for directions, which is even better than your GPS, because then the person that I asked last time, this lady goes, Oh, you know what? I know right where that church is. You know what I'll do? I'll get in my car and you follow me isn't that great? All I had to do is follow her. I didn't have to hear, well, go five blocks, turn right, there's a BP there, go another five miles, then it's an angle street. then you have to turn left. No, all I had to do is keep my eyes on the car ahead of me and follow because that car was leading me. You Guys, that's how the Holy Spirit leads. That's how easy it is. That's how he leads. But if I were to take my eyes off that car that was leading me to the correct destination that I need to speak at, guess what? I'd end up at the wrong destination. If I started following another car, I would end up at the wrong destination. So I had to keep my eyes on the leader. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Plus, we're going to learn that the Holy Spirit attempts to do amazing things in our lives. He attempts to convict you. He attempts to guide you to illuminate the Word of God to you. Not only did he inspire it, but now he illuminates the Word of God to us. He teaches us. He assures us. He intercedes for us. That's praying. The Holy Spirit prays for you, and he warns you. And we're going to find out all about the personality of the Holy Spirit because it's the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you talk to him? He has a personality. Do you talk to him? He's your helper, and we need to keep in step with him just like you'll experience when you do the prayer walk in learning how to walk with the Spirit, to walk with the Spirit, to keep in step with Him. Years ago, A.W. Tozer said this. Listen carefully. The Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. Did you hear me? The Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for His people you must be satisfied that it is not abnormal. I admit it is unusual because there are so few people who walk in the light or enjoy it, but it is not abnormal. Don't you desire the captivated, spirit-led, spirit-filled life? Bill Bright, who is the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now called Crew, he used to say this, being filled with the spirit is as easy as breathing out and breathing in, as breathing out and breathing in. And we're going to do a lot of breathing this weekend at Fort Wilderness, at our fifth annual retreat. We are going to um, unravel who the Holy Spirit is to us and then allow him to captivate us as we're captivated by him. You know what all those sounds were caused by? Air. It was all air. The air that we breathe, that was all air. Can you recognize any of them? Some were what? Hot air balloon, good. Respirator, heavy breathing as you're jogging. That wasn't me. Right? The last were birds flapping. A hummingbird was the last one. On oh, that. Do you hear the wind chimes, everything caused by air, okay? The air that we breathe, okay? And I'm gonna share with you on how the Holy Spirit works in and through our life with that. We ended with this is the air I breathe, right? And we went into all these incredible sound effects of air. And basically, what we do through life is we inhale, we, we inhale, and we exhale, and we inhale, and we exhale, and we inhale, and we exhale, and we inhale, and we exhale. This is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you take uh, your words in and through me and speak loudly to me. Change my heart. Speak loudly to these women. Change their hearts, Lord, me. May they hear from you, because my words are not life-changing, but yours are. May we sit on each one of them and hear your voice. We expect to be changed before you, in and through you, Lord, this very night. May we give you full sway. I pray these in your name, Jesus. Amen. Have you ever stopped to consider how wonderfully powerful air is? I mean, just all those, you know, at first you're like, I don't know what this is. Oh, I know what that is. Oh, I wonder what that is. And I could just feel, you know, oh, what is this, what is this, what is this? And what happens is it's common everyday air that makes it possible for what? Huge airplanes carrying all kinds of passengers, tons of cargo to fly what? 30,000 feet up in the air. It's air that allows that. Okay, it's air that in pressurized ballast tanks, in submarines, okay, allows huge nuclear submarines to go to the very depth of the oceans and then come up when they want to and wherever they want to. It's air. When it's given enough velocity, it will do devastating things. Did you hear the one that was tornadic? Did you hear that? Devastating things. Do you remember the one uh, in old world Wisconsin when the tornado came through? The wind... uh, we went and we cleaned up a lot of that mess with our church. And I'm telling you that it was amazing. It was, it was basically like a giant saw had cut thousands and thousands of trees perfectly about three feet up from the ground, about a hundred feet wide. It's amazing. Air did that. Air did that. You know, Did you know that if you take air and you contain it in a bunch of networks of, a network, I should say, of hoses and valves and put it under enough pressure, what it does, it brings our autos to stop. It brings locomotives to stop. It brings huge semi-trucks to stop. Air pressure breaks, right? Did you know that air, if it's pushed through the right tools, air will break concrete. Air will break concrete. Think about it, all that incredible power In air, everyday air. And and you know what? We don't feel it. Okay? We don't see it. We don't smell it. Unless you just got back like we did from um, Uncle Bill's hog farm. Then you smell it. Okay? But it's air. It is always, we can't hold it in our hands. We can't, you know, but what it is, is it keeps us alive every single minute. Our sweet Mary, who comes to BSL on Wednesdays, um, she has oxygen to be even able to breathe. That air keeps her living. The outside oxygen does. Janet Byrne, who's involved, too, she just had a double lung transplant. Okay, what an amazing, amazing miracle. She's breathing now through someone else's lungs, right? Air, the air that I breathe. Right? You can't hold it in your hands. We can't live, though, without air. When we fly, when we apply our brakes, when a mechanic is working on a car, we think nothing of it. But it's amazing stuff, Ares. It's amazing. And just because, listen carefully, just because something is invisible does not mean that it's unimportant or it's not powerful. Just because it's invisible doesn't mean that it's unimportant or that it's weak. And I think grasping that principle is going to go a long ways in our weekend as we share about the Holy Spirit, to understand him, to recognize the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is a gift. And one of the most common words used for the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament is word for air. In the Old Testament, it's a, it's a Hebrew word that said ruach, R-U-A-C-H, ruach, that's the Holy Spirit used word in the Hebrew for air. In the New Testament, it's pneuma, which we get our word pneumatic from, our English word pneumatic from. And tonight, I want you to understand that even though he's the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, even though he's invisible, he is certainly not impotent. He is absolutely necessary for you to be a Christian, for me to be a Christian. He is vital as air is to our life. He is just as vital to our Christian life. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to John 14. I'll wait for you for a minute. John 14, beginning at, at verse 16. Tonight we're going to look uh, at have our Word of God as well as we're going to be going through some PowerPoint stuff. Uh, so that you, we're going to be all over the Word of God, so you're able to see it and not have to be continually delving in, okay? So those are be on PowerPoint as well. So if we're at John 14, I want to start at 16, and I'll give you just a little background. Jesus is speaking to his disciples late one night towards the end of the first Holy Week, okay? So let's get the context, all Right Here it is. And Jesus is speaking, and he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you in me, and I am in you. Now skip to 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am not going away. I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the father and that I do exactly what my father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Okay, at this time, Jesus and his disciples we're in a second-story flat in Jerusalem. Okay, let's look at the context of this. And it's called the upper room. And there were 11 disciples with him. Judas had already been dismissed. Now, try to put yourselves in the disciples' shoes, okay? I always like to go back to what the context is, and I want you to be able to visualize this, all right? So you can understand how they felt when Jesus was speaking to them. Okay, okay. Remember, three years earlier, these guys, like, had no life, okay? They had nothing but pretty much a treadmill existence. And then what happens, you know, the teacher comes along. Jesus is Nazareth, comes along. One day, their dull lives were absolutely interrupted, and it stopped. And this teacher comes along, and then nothing ever was the same. Nothing again was ever the same. And so for three years, they were captivated by him. They walked with him. This is the man who spoke into them. This is the man who healed people, who healed the blind, who healed the lame, who raised people from the dead, who calmed the sea, who walked on water. This is Jesus. And because of this, they arranged their entire lives around Jesus, the teacher, around one thing, being with Jesus. He's the one that gave their lives purpose. He's the one that gave their lives meaning. He filled the emptiness in them all. The disciples. But now Jesus is telling him, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And that now he, their beloved teacher, will soon be gone. And you have to understand that all of a sudden they realize that Jesus is serious about this. And they begin to panic. And what happens is, you know, they thought things like, you know, I'm never going to hear this voice speaking to me again. I'm never going to see those miracles happen again. I will never see those hands perform another miracle, and they begin to panic. And when they panicked, Jesus wonderfully didn't say, get over it. He comforted them with these words. He said, don't worry. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He says, I'm going to send you another helper. I'm going to send you another helper. And he says, and he will even be more helpful than I am. Okay, are you following me? Jesus is sharing, okay, this other helper is going to be more helpful than I am. And see, he's not just going to be at your side like I am. He's going to be in you. He's going to be in you. He's going to be within you. Now, do you understand exactly what Jesus was saying here? Okay, because our Lord was trying to make the first disciples understand and realize that this helper that he is going to send would make their lives better than when he was walking with them in the flesh. And I'm sure they didn't believe him when he said that. Just like our kids, right, don't believe when we say, oh, you know what, um, this is you know, something unpleasant. This is for your own good. And they're like, mm-hmm, right. Right, I am sure. They're looking at Jesus like, mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, my life has been totally changed because of you. And you're telling me you're going to die, but this other helper is going to be more help than you are. But it was for their own good. It was absolutely for their own good. It was for their advantage that Jesus would leave and that God could send the Holy Spirit to his people. Okay? So the question I always ask is, would you rather have walked and talked in the flesh with Jesus or would you rather live now with the Holy Spirit inside of you? And many times we're like, oh man, would it have just been great to be in that boat and then he just calm the storm and then you just walk over like Peter and I mean, you know, the Last Supper? I mean, can you imagine? But Jesus says it's more advantageous for us to live now. It's more advantageous for us to live now in the era of the Holy Spirit, the counselor, than it would to live with Jesus bodily in those days on earth. Now think about that for a moment. Okay, on the Bible's authority, you and I, right now, you and I right now are better off than those people who looked and ate and drank and walked with Jesus. We are on the Bible's authority. That's what he says. Why is that so? Because the Holy Spirit coming makes things better for us than it did for Peter, than it did for James, than it did for John, for the disciples, and all those other others prior to Jesus' ascension, because of the Holy Spirit coming. And the main reason is, thanks to the gift of the Holy Spirit, because he doesn't just walk alongside us. He lives in us. The person of the Holy Spirit lives in in us. The Bible says that all Christ followers, okay, all followers of Christ are given the same precious gift of the Holy Spirit the moment that they ask Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sin, that they believe that he went to the cross for them. Oh yeah, he did it for the whole world, but he personally did it for me. And he forgave my sin. And when we believe that individually, personally, guess what? The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, the indwelling Holy Spirit. So right off the bat, I'm going to ask you, right tonight, where do you stand with Jesus tonight? Because quite frankly, this weekend isn't going to make a lot of sense to you unless you know where you stand with Jesus. He knows where you stand with him. He loves you. He's always calling you. Is he still just a teacher to you like the disciples and they're just walking alongside him? Or you have accepted the gift of forgiveness, what he did for you on the cross. And now he, by the Holy Spirit, lives in you. He lives in you. You have a choice. And there's no better time than to receive him now if you have not. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. You know how I know this? I know because I walked with Jesus as a teacher For years and years in my life. Since age eight, I was raised going to church, going to Sunday school, going to Pioneer Girls, going to five-day club, going to choir, attended Youth for Christ. Anytime the church doors were open, the Lance family was in. Anytime. Christian mom and dad, Christian sisters. I was sort of like, A modern day disciple, not a disciple like as in following Jesus, but one of the disciples who just walked alongside Jesus and hearing all the stuff. I heard all the stuff. I was always there and I heard it. I saw miracles performed, okay? But not until the age of 31 did I come to a point that I really knew Jesus came to do more than teach, He's more than a teacher. He came to die. He came to take my sin. He came to make a relationship with God the Father that I could not because of my sinful self. He came to give himself as an ultimate sacrifice for me, not just to be a teacher of Nazareth. He is the Son of God who died and gave his life for me. And then he ascended. And then he sent another counselor, the Holy Spirit, who upon my acceptance of knowing Jesus personally and passionately and powerfully and now preeminently over my life, lives in me. And he could live in you too. So I'm going to ask you again, where do you stand with Jesus tonight? Where do you stand? Who is he to you? Hello. Thank you. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen says, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Let's read that again. For by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, we are all baptized into what? One body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And and even though God's word has a great deal, you guys, to say about the gift of the Holy Spirit, you know what happens? It's still a subject that we tend to remain ignorant of or that we just don't delve into about. Or you know what? We have so many questions that we're sort of embarrassed about it. We really don't want to talk about it. So this weekend, we're going to continue to dig in. Most of us have a clear picture of God the Father, of his grace, of his love, most of us have a high clarity of the understanding of God the Son, Jesus, and what he did for us. But our understanding of the Holy Spirit is usually vague. It's fuzzy at best. There's going to be um, a Christian bookstore that will be here tomorrow. and One of the books I've requested them to have is a book called Know What You Believe. It's by the late Paul Little. It's just a tremendous book. And in this classic little book, he, he writes this. Of the three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit seems to be the least known and understood today. Yet he is most vitally and intimately involved in our initial conversion and birth into the family of God, as well as in the ongoing development of our Christian lives. Knowledge of an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit brings us power, joy, and hope. When we neglect him, Through ignorance or indifference, we ensure spiritual poverty. When we neglect him, through ignorance or indifference, we ensure spiritual poverty. Now, why is it that so many of us know so little about this gift of God, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus promised in Acts 1? Open up for a minute to your Bibles to Acts 1, okay? In Acts 1... This is when Jesus says, this is what I'm going to do. It's Acts 1, 4 and 5. And it reads, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is Jesus. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then jump to eight. But you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So why is it that we know so little about the Holy Spirit? Well, you know what, I think there are a couple of reasons. First off, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, we think, is difficult to understand. We think it's difficult to understand. And then many of us don't want to tackle the difficult anymore in life because there's enough difficult in life. So why try to understand the doctrine of the Holy Spirit? Okay, We think it's mysterious. We think it's elusive. Okay, We have raised a generation of people who favor the easy way. And they don't want to dig in anymore. They want to avoid the complex truths. And what happens is it's just like college or high school students instead of reading the whole book all the way through, like the classics, like the Iliad and the Odyssey or Moby Dick, just like I did, I got the cliff notes for it, right? That's what we tend to do. Or secondly, we know so little about the Holy Spirit because he's placed third in the Trinity. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. And you know, anything that's placed third, well, you know what, that can't be that important. You know, you always remember the first place. Second place, well, sort of. third place not so much. And then thirdly, we neglect the Holy Spirit because there's this tendency to refer to the third person of the Trinity as an it. As an it. Many of us think of the Holy Spirit as a non-person. We think of him like a force of Star Wars or something. Right? We 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 think of him nothing more than an impersonal force. And that is a misconception. That is not true that we are going to address this weekend. So then who really is the Holy Spirit? The first reference to the Holy Spirit comes from Genesis 1 verse 2. Read this with me. It's on the board. Ready? Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Who was hovering over the waters? Spirit of God, who is that? Holy Spirit. Excellent. Okay, his influence is noted throughout the whole testament. Okay, the Holy Spirit is throughout the Old Testament. Okay, but it's more pronounced, his influence is more pronounced in the life and ministry of Jesus. Finally, remember, after Jesus ascended to heaven to be seated at the right hand of God the Father, right? In that place of power. sent the holy spirit to be our counselor right to be our comforter okay john 14 26 read this with me but ready up on the board but the counselor the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything said to you whoa the counselor the holy Spirit. Whom the Father will send in my name. Do you see this? Both the Father and Son were involved in sending the Holy Spirit. Whom the Father will send in whose name? Jesus' name. Right? They were both involved in sending the Holy Spirit. Will teach you just some things. All things. Will teach you all things and will remind you of some of the things that I mentioned to the disciples. No. No. Will remind you of everything I have said to you all, everything, Holy Spirit, okay? Look at the next one, John 15, 26. I want you to read it again with me. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, okay? When the counselor, who's that? Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, who's I? Jesus Jesus will send from who? the Father, okay, the Spirit of Truth, who's that? Holy Spirit who goes out from the Father will do what? Testify Testify about Jesus, okay? Testify about Jesus, okay? The Greek word for comforter or counselor, okay, or helper is paraclete, P-A-R-A-C-L-E-T-E, paraclete, okay, meaning the one called along beside. The one called along beside, it also means one who energizes, one who strengthens, one who empowers the believer in Christ, okay? And so the Holy Spirit also came to witness to Jesus, about Jesus Christ and to glorify him, okay? Let's look at this verse, John 16, 13 and 14. Read with me again. I want you to read this. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Okay, now follow me on this. As Jesus had come to reveal, exalt, and glorify who? The Father, okay? As Jesus had come to exalt reveal, and glorify the Father. The Holy Spirit was sent to reveal, exalt, and glorify Jesus, the Son. The Son, okay? So it logically follows that the more we allow the Holy Spirit to control our lives, the more we shall love and serve Jesus, okay? And the more we'll be conscious of his loving and abiding presence, are you following me? Okay. Listen closely. And then when we are led by the spirit, remember the spirit doesn't drive you. He doesn't whip you into shape. He leads you. We follow. Okay. It's a choice. When you're led by the spirit, we are filled with Jesus. Okay. This is what the verse is saying. Thus, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, A power much greater than our own is released within and through us for victorious living, for joy, and a fruitful witness for the Savior. Are you following to see how that works? That's what happens. That's what happens in and through our lives. Without the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit, we cannot experience power, joy, and the wonder of a supernatural life right here on earth. We don't receive the Holy Spirit and he comes to live in us just for heaven. Yes, he's a seal. Yes, he's a guarantee for us. We're going to learn all about that. But it's just not for heaven. It's for now. It's for living in power and joy now. As the Holy Spirit in and through us exalts, reveals Jesus Christ in and through us. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ in us. And that's what he wants to do in and through us without the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit, you cannot experience the joy of living on that next plane, that supernatural plane that the Holy Spirit wants us to live in. So who is this Holy Spirit? And how is he related to all of us if we are believers? Okay, The first thing I want you to understand is the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not some force. He is a person. He's the third person of the living God. Okay? Let's look at John again. John fourteen sixteen and 17. I want you to read this once again with me. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you what? Another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Okay, notice, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as what? Him. You see the big hymns that come out? Him. Okay, the world cannot, cannot accept him, because he neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, because he lives with you and will be, where? And will be in you, okay? Numerous texts in the word of God, show that the Holy Spirit does things that only a person would do. He's not some vague, ethereal, magic, ghost kind of, impersonal force, okay? He is a distinctive personality. He is a person. He is just like you and me, except he's God. Specifically, he has knowledge or intellect. He has a will and he has emotion. He has mind, he has will, and he has emotion. Just like we do. We're made up of mind, will, and emotion, just like we are, okay? He has infinite intellect. Let's look at this. 1 Corinthians 2.11. Read with me again. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except The Spirit of God. Who knows the thoughts of God? The Spirit of God, okay? The Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God, okay? And the Holy Spirit imparts knowledge to you, okay, and to me, so the Holy Spirit's not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person with infinite intellect, infinite knowledge. And secondly, he has a will. He has a will, okay? Let's look at this. The Apostle Paul is talking about this as the Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, he says, ready? All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one, what? Just as he determines, okay? That's the key. How does he give us our spiritual gifts? As I want them? I want this. I want that. Does he give them as I want them? No, just as what? He determines. The Holy Spirit determines it, okay? It's, it's the fact that he has a will. The Holy Spirit makes decisions. He's making decisions in you right now. He's not a power to be harnessed. He's not a power to be manipulated. We don't take him and tell him what to do, okay? To tap into the Holy Spirit is not to enhance your ability to carry out your will, ever do that? Oh yeah. Right? To carry out your will. No, that's not what happens. The power of the Holy Spirit is available only to us when we want to carry out his will. We don't tap into his power and say, I'm going to do this. No, we listen and surrender and listen to him and he leads and we follow because we want to carry out his will. We want to carry out his will. He, not me, not you, decides what spiritual gifts I get. He's not our servant. He is our guide. He's the one that decides. So he has infinite intellect. He has a will. And then lastly, he has emotions. The Holy Spirit has feelings. Did you ever think about that? He has feelings. The Holy Spirit in you has feelings. In Paul's letter to the Romans, he referred to the love of the Spirit. Romans 15:30, once again, read with me: "I urge you brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me." OK? The letter of the church. OK, what is he saying? What is he saying? By the "what? Love of the Spirit. Love is what? An emotion. Right? By the love of the Spirit. He has emotion. And then in the letter to the church at Ephesus, he says this And what? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Love and grief are what? They're emotions. Do you have love and grief? Absolutely. They are emotions. Not only does the Holy Spirit then have a personality, right? He has a mind, will, and emotions, infinite intellect in his mind, will and emotions. We have to remember that he possesses all the divine attributes of God because he is God. He is God, the third person in the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, okay? He is equal in every way to the Father. He is equal in every way to the Son because he is God the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 8, 29... It says that the Holy Spirit speaks, he commands, and in this text, he tells Philip, go to that chariot and stay there, okay? And and because Philip obeyed the Holy Spirit, he obeyed the Holy Spirit, the commands of the person of the Holy Spirit, that day, a man with great influence in the Ethiopian government became a believer, became a Christian, because Philip obeyed the person of the Holy Spirit in him that said, hey, guess what? You need to go over here. You need to do this. And he obeyed. How sweet is that? Acts 8, 29. (sighs) Several passages of Scripture say that the Holy Spirit does the work of a person. Does the work of a person. He testifies. He comforts. He repro- it reproves, he helps, he guides, he enables. I want you to look at Romans 8.26, where it says that the Holy Spirit is praying for us, saying, read with me. Same we, same way, <laughs> to with we do not, not know what we Lord ought Lord to pray Lord for, Lord but Lord the Spirit Lord himself Lord intercedes Lord for us Lord with, Lord us Lord. with Lord. what? with groans that words cannot express. Okay, he prays for you. He prays for me. The the Holy Spirit, God, prays for me. Put your mind around that. God's praying for you. He's praying for you right now. He intercedes for you. God Almighty is praying for us. And he's inside of us. And then the Bible also teaches that the Holy Spirit can be quenched, or in other words, stifled. He can be stifled. When you look at 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, Do not quench the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed, for the day of redemption. In other words, you can say to the Holy Spirit like you would say to me or any person, be quiet, stop talking to me. Many times in our home, we say it way more kindly than that, but Tori, our seventh grader, can really chitter-chatter. And I mean never stops. I don't know if she's just talking to herself or you know whatever, and she never stops, and numerous times we'll just say, no more, no more, hon. We're going to just be quiet now. We're just going to stop now. We're just going to stop. Well, we can say to the Holy Spirit, you know what? Be quiet. Stop talking to me. You know, have you ever said, you know, Lord, I don't want to hear any more about, like, my bitterness, okay? I don't want to hear any more about this relationship. I don't want to hear any more about this grudge that I have. I don't want to hear any more about my selfishness. I don't want to hear any more about my overspending. I don't want to hear any more about me demanding my own rights. I don't want to hear any more about my self-hate. I don't want to hear any more about blank, whatever it is. You know, quit telling me I should just confess it and let it go. Or you say to him, Lord, you know what? Stop telling me to go and share you with this woman in the cubicle next to me. Stop telling me I need to go teach a Sunday school class or a cell group. Stop telling me that. Get off my case when it comes to like witnessing to my neighbor. In your attitude, in your action, in your words, in your voice, that's how you quench the Holy Spirit. That's how you stifle him. If you've ever done that, you have quenched the Holy Spirit. You have stifled him. Something that you would not do to an it. That can only happen because the Holy Spirit is the person of God who lives in you when you have come to know Jesus as your Savior. So the Holy Spirit is not this impersonal force, okay? He's not this genie in a bottle, okay? He is a person. He is the person of God. And I want you to look at this, and I'll read this. Dr. R.A. Torrey, he was this amazing American evangelist, Uh, Back in 1894, he knew D.L. Moody, who did Moody Bible Church, and he was one of the first uh, presidents of Moody Bible Institute, and he was a pastor at Moody Bible Church years ago, 1894 in Chicago, and he says this, One of the most fruitful sources of error and unwholesome enthusiasm and fanaticism is the thinking of the Holy Spirit as an it, an influence, not a person. If you think of the Holy Spirit as a mere influence or power, then your thought will be, how can I get a hold of the Holy Spirit and use it? Your thought will be, how can I get a hold of the Holy Spirit and use it? But if you think of him in the biblical way as a person of divine majesty and glory, your thought will be this. How can the Holy Spirit get a hold of me and use me? Do you see the difference? We don't get a hold of some power and want to use it. He gets a hold of me and then he's able to use me for his glory. This is what this weekend's all about. Captivated. Him getting a hold of you, of me. Being captivated. Letting the Holy Spirit absolutely have full sway in your life, full reign in your life. And then using us changing us, using us for his glory. And when we let the Holy Spirit get a hold of us, what happens is he convicts us of our yuck. He convicts us of our sin. He goes into all the bedrooms of our life and our garages of our life and all the yucks of our life, and he goes, this needs to go. This needs to be done. I'll take this from you. This needs to stop. And instead of quenching him, we go, okay. Okay. All right. We don't give a deaf ear to him. You know, or perhaps you realize, like I did, to receive Jesus, you need to receive him as more than a teacher. He's not just the teacher of Nazareth. He's the one who came to die for your sin. And by accepting Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ in you, who lives in you, who wants to be your power, who will be your counselor. And who doesn't want that in life? Spirit. As we decrease and he increases, what do you need to give over to God? So the person of the Holy Spirit can shine more brightly, more brilliantly through you. What strongholds are still in your life? What sin comes to mind? What way have you quenched or stifled the Holy Spirit? What do you struggle with? He already knows. He's God. He knows your thoughts before one of them has ever come to be. And He's waiting for you. Is it a grudge? Is it pride? Is it yelling at your husband? Is it deceit? Is it unforgiveness? Or maybe you were a fake like I was for years until I was 31. Or you just maybe never knew that you could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That this is what God had planned for you. That you could receive his gift by accepting what Jesus did for you on the cross. You never knew it. He's already forgiven you of your sin. He's just waiting for you to join him in that. He's already done. Past, present, future. It's done. It's finished. He just wants you to join it, whatever it is. On your seat, you were given three post-it notes. I want you to get those out. And as David plays, I want you to write whatever it is. I want you to write them out. What is holding you back? What is a stronghold in your life? What is it that God is speaking to you right now that you need to give over to him? Or maybe it's the fact that you need to know Jesus. That tonight is the night that you're going to accept Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, power in you. Maybe that's what you write down. Whatever it is, I want you to write it on very quietly on three different post-it notes. And then I want you to fold over that post-it note and very quietly walk to your balloon and place it on your balloon. And as David plays, then you'll be able to come back to your seat And we will end in prayer and song. So this is your time alone with the Holy Spirit. And so listen to him. Ladies, as you quietly go and tell the Lord, Here I am, you know me. Here's my stuff. Here's my yuck. Put it on your balloon. There's nothing better than giving it over and allowing Him to take it. That's why we're doing something that is interactive, that we go, You know what? I'm releasing this. I'm giving this to you. Or maybe. You don't know what to give him. Maybe it was a question you are asking him. Maybe it's something that you're you're first coming to know, Jesus. Whatever it is, I want you to know that we are going to be here as prayer counselors afterwards. Anyone who needs to come and pray with us, we will be here for you. We'll be up in front. So as you are finishing up, we're going to end with a song that is the absolute theme of this weekend. And David, if you'd sing first through it, Be great. It's called From the Inside Out. A
1: thousand times I've failed Still your mercy remains. And should I stumble again Still I'm caught in your grace Everlasting your light will shine when all else fails,
2: never ending. Your glory goes beyond
1: all. I give you control, consume me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and praise become my grace to love you from the inside out, everlasting.
0: have uh, communed with you tonight. We have begun something that uh, you will finish. And so, Lord, I ask that you continue to go after us and consume us from the inside out. Lord, we've just touched on who you are and your power and your greatness in and through us. I ask that you take a nugget of truth tonight and just delve into us. Allow us to know who you are to us and know how incredibly special we are to you. Father God, we thank you. Jesus, thank you for coming willingly, laying down your glory and dying for us and then ascending and sending another counselor who is even more. Oh God, Holy Spirit, have your way with us this very night and through this weekend. We want to know you more. We praise you and we give you all
2: glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, ladies. Um, thank you, Margot. Thank you, David. Um, just a f- last minute announcement we're going to have some great homemade cookie bars. Um, hot chocolate and hot cider that I've been told has been cooking all day. So um, they provided that for us in campgrounds, which is the coffee shop right across, so you can walk out through the back, grab a snack, come back in here, mull in the hallway, do what you want. But then we're going to come back in here. We're not going to be able to do the campfire outside because it's a little too wet and windy. So we're going to do that in here. We're going to have some great stories about how Fort came to be, um, as well as just some encouragement time and some fun singing. So don't miss out on that. And um, a couple other little things. Tomorrow morning, coffee shop is open at seven. We're going to do a hike in the morning if you'd like. If you don't want to sleep in, that's at seven fifteen. Meet at the flagpole right outside here. Breakfast at eight and nine thirty is our session tomorrow. There is one bathroom in the hallway that is labeled for gentlemen. Don't use that one, even though it's probably the other ones might be a little busy. But use the there's one downstairs or the ones in the back for the ladies. So. If you have any questions, please find any one of us. If you arrive late, hi Michelle, um, please find me so I can help you guys get settled in. So I'm here to serve you guys. Have a great night.